0: Book 2 Chapter 22 of the Mystical City of God Volume 3 by the Venerable Sister Mary of Jesus of Agreda. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Book 2 Chapter 22 How our Savior Jesus was crucified on Mount Calvary, the seven words spoken by him on the cross, and the attendance of his sorrowful mother at his sufferings. Our savior then, the new and true Isaac, the son of the eternal father, reached the mountain of sacrifice, which is the same one to which his prototype and figure, Isaac, was brought by the patriarch Abraham. Genesis chapter 22 verse 9 Upon the most innocent Lamb of God was to be executed the rigor of the sentence, which had been suspended in the favor of the son of the patriarch. Mount Calvary was held to be a place of defilement and ignominy, being reserved for the chastisement of condemned criminals, whose cadavers spread around it, their stench, and attached to it a still more evil fame. Our most loving Jesus arrived at its summit, so worn out, wounded, torn, and disfigured, that he almost altogether transformed into an object of pain and sorrows. The power of the divinity which deified his most holy humanity by its hypostatic union helped him not to lighten his pains but to strengthen him against death so that still retaining life until death should be permitted to take it away on the cross he might satiate his love to the fullest extent the sorrowful and afflicted mother in the bitterness of her soul also arrived at the summit of the mount and remained very close to her divine son but in the sorrows of her soul she was as it were beside herself being entirely transformed by her love and by the pains which she saw jesus suffer near her were saint john and the three marys for they alone through her intercession and the favor of the eternal father had obtained the privilege of remaining so constantly near to the savior and to his cross when the most prudent mother perceived that now the mysteries of the redemption were to be fulfilled and that the executioners were about to strip jesus of his clothes for crucifixion she turned in spirit to the eternal father and prayed as follows my lord and eternal god thou art the father of thy only begotten son by eternal generation he is engendered god of the true god namely thyself And as man he was born of my womb and received from me this human nature in which he now suffers i have nursed and sustained him at my own breast and as the best of sons that ever can be born of any creature i love him with maternal love as his mother i have a natural right in the person of his most holy humanity and thy providence will never infringe upon any rights held by thy creatures this right of a mother then i now yield to thee and once more place in thy hands thy and my son as a sacrifice for the redemption of man accept my lord this pleasing offering since this is more than i can ever offer by submitting my own self as a victim or to suffering this sacrifice is greater not only because my son is the true god and of thy own substance but because this sacrifice costs me a much greater sorrow and pain for if the lots were changed and I should be permitted to die in order to preserve his most holy life, I would consider it a great relief and the fulfillment of my dearest wishes. The eternal father received this prayer of the exalted queen with ineffable pleasure and complacency. The patriarch Abraham was permitted to go no further than to prefigure and attempt the sacrifice of a son, because the real execution of such a sacrifice god reserved to himself and to his only begotten nor was sarah the mother of isaac informed of the mystical ceremony this being prevented not only by the promptness of Abraham's obedience but also because he mistrusted lest the maternal love of sarah though she was a just and holy woman should impel her to prevent the execution of the divine command but not so was it with most holy mary to whom the eternal father could fearlessly manifest his unchangeable will, in order that she might, as far as her powers were concerned, unite with him in the sacrifice of his only begotten. The invincible mother finished her prayer, and she perceived that the impious ministers were preparing to give the Lord the drink of wine, myrrh, and gall, of which St. Matthew and St. Mark speak. Matthew chapter 27 verse 34 Mark chapter 15 verse 23 Taking occasion from the words of Solomon, Give strong drink to the sorrowful, and wine to those that suffer bitterness of heart, the Jews were accustomed to give to those about to be executed a drink of strong and aromatic wine, in order to raise their vital spirits and to help them to bear their torments with greater fortitude. This custom they now perverted in order to augment the sufferings of the Savior. Proverbs chapter 3 verse 6 the drink which was intended to assist and strengthen other criminals by the perfidy of the jews was now mixed with gall so that it should have no other effect than to torment his sense of taste by its bitterness the blessed mother was aware of their intentions and in her maternal tenderness and compassion asked the lord not to drink of it jesus in deference to the petition of his mother without rejecting entirely this new suffering tasted of the mixture but would not drink it entirely Matthew chapter 27 verse 34 It was already the sixth hour, which corresponds to our noon time, and the executioners, intending to crucify the savior naked, despoiled him of the seamless tunic and of his garments. As the tunic was large and without opening in front, they pulled it over the head of Jesus, without taking off the crown of thorns, but on account of the rudeness with which they proceeded, they inhumanly tore off the crown with the tunic thus they opened anew all the wounds of his head and in some of them remained the thorns which in spite of their being so hard and sharp were wrenched off by the violence with which the executioners despoiled him of his tunic and with it of the crown with heartless cruelty they again forced it down upon his sacred head opening up wounds upon wounds by the rude tearing off of the tunic were renewed also the wounds of his whole body, since the tunic had dried into the open places, and its removal was, as David says, adding new pains to his wounds. Psalm 68 verse 27. Four times during the Passion did they despoil Jesus of his garments and again vest him. The first time in order to scourge him at the pillar, the second time in order to clothe him in the mock purple the third when they took this off in order to clothe him in his tunic, the fourth when they finally took away his clothes. This last was the most painful, because his wounds were more numerous, his holy humanity was much weakened, and there was less shelter against the sharp wind on Mount Calvary, for also this element was permitted to increase the sufferings of his death struggle, by sending its cold blasts across the mount. To all these sufferings was added the confusion of being bereft of his garments in the presence of his most blessed mother, of her pious companions, and in full sight of the multitudes gathered around. By his divine power he, however, reserved for himself the nether garment which his mother had wound around his loins in Egypt, for neither at the scourging nor at the crucifixion could the executioners remove it, and he was laid in the sepulchre still covered with this cloth that this really happened has been revealed to me many times certainly he desired to die in the greatest poverty and to take nothing of all that he created and possessed in this world he would gladly have died entirely despoiled and bereft of even this covering if it had not been for the desires and the prayers of his blessed mother to which christ wished to yield on her account he substituted this perfect obedience of a son toward his mother for extreme poverty at his death the holy cross was lying on the ground, and the executioners were busy making the necessary preparations for crucifying him and the two thieves. In the meanwhile, our redeemer and master prayed to the Father in the following terms eternal Father and my Lord God, to the incomprehensible majesty of thy infinite goodness and justice, I offer my entire humanity and all that according to thy will it has accomplished in descending from thy bosom to assume passable and mortal flesh for the redemption of man, my brethren. I offer thee, Lord, with myself also my most loving mother, her love, her most perfect works, her sorrows, her sufferings, her anxious and prudent solicitude in serving me, imitating me and accompanying me unto death i offer thee the little flock of my apostles the holy church and congregation of the faithful such as it is now and as it shall be to the end of the world and with it i offer to thee all the mortal children of adam all this i place in thy hands as the true and almighty lord and god As far as my wishes are concerned, I suffer and die for all, and I desire that all shall be saved under the condition that all follow me and profit of my redemption. Thus may they pass from the slavery of the devil to be thy children, my brethren and co-heirs of the grace merited by me. Especially, O my Lord, do I offer to thee the poor, the despised and afflicted, who are my friends and who follow me on the way to the cross i desire that the just and the predestined be written in thy eternal memory i beseech thee my father to withhold thy chastisement and not to raise the scourge of thy justice over men let them not be punished as they merit for their sins be thou from now on their father as thou art mine i beseech thee also that they may be helped to ponder upon my death in pious affection and be enlightened from above and i pray for those who are persecuting me in order that they may be converted to the truth above all do i ask thee for the exaltation of thy ineffable and most holy name the prayer and supplication of our savior jesus were known to the most holy mother and she imitated him and made the same petitions to the eternal father in as far as she was concerned the most prudent virgin never forgot or disregarded the first word which she had heard from the mouth of her divine son as an infant become like unto me my beloved his promise that in return for the new human existence which she had given him in her virginal womb he would by his almighty power give her a new existence of divine and eminent grace above all other creatures was continually fulfilled to this favor was due also her deep science and enlightenment concerning all the operations of the sacred humanity of her son none of which ever escaped her knowledge and attention whatever she thus perceived she imitated so that she was always anxious to study and penetrate them with deep understanding to put them promptly into action and to practice them courageously and zealously during all her life in this neither sorrow could disturb her nor anguish hinder her, nor persecution detain her, nor the bitterness of her suffering weaken her. If the great queen had assisted at the passion with the same sentiments as the rest of the just, it would indeed have been admirable, but not so admirable as the way in which she suffered. She was singular and extraordinary in all her sufferings. For as I have said above, she felt in her own virginal body all the torments of Christ our Lord, both interior and exterior on account of this conformity we can say that also the heavenly mother was scourged crowned spit upon buffeted laden with the cross and nailed upon it for she felt these pains and all the rest in her purest body although she felt them in a different manner yet she felt them with such conformity that the mother was altogether a faithful likeness of her son besides the greatness of her dignity, which in Most Holy Mary must, on this account, have corresponded in the highest possible degree with that of Christ. There was concealed therein another mystery. This was, that the desire of Christ to see his exalted love and benignity, as exhibited in his passion, copied in all its magnitude in a mere creature, was fulfilled in her, and no one possessed a greater right to this favor than his own mother in order to find the places for the auger holes on the cross the executioners haughtily commanded the creator of the universe oh dreadful temerity to stretch himself out upon it the teacher of humility obeyed without hesitation but they following their inhuman instinct of cruelty marked the places for the holes not according to the size of his body but larger having in mind a new torture for their victim this inhuman intent was known to the mother of light and the knowledge of it was one of the greatest afflictions of her chastest heart during the whole passion she saw through the intentions of these ministers of sin and she anticipated the torments to be endured by her beloved son when his limbs should be wrenched from their sockets in being nailed to the cross but she could not do anything to prevent it as it was the will of the lord to suffer these pains for men when he rose from the cross, and they set about boring the holes, the great lady approached and took hold of one of his hands, adoring him and kissing it with greatest reverence. The executioners allowed this because they thought that the sight of his mother would cause so much the greater affliction to the Lord. For they wished to spare him no sorrow they could cause him. But they were ignorant of the hidden mysteries. For the Lord during his passion had no greater source of consolation and interior joy than to see in the soul of his most blessed mother the beautiful likeness of himself and the full fruits of his passion and death this joy to a certain extent comforted christ our lord also in that hour having bored the three holes into the cross the executioners again commanded christ the lord to stretch himself out upon it in order to be nailed to it The supreme and almighty king, as the author of patience, obeyed, and at the will of the hangman placed himself with outstretched arms upon the blessed wood. The Lord was so weakened, disfigured and exhausted, that if the atrocious cruelty of these men had left the least room for natural reason and kindness, they could not have brought themselves to inflict further torments upon the innocent and meek lamb, humbly suffering such nameless sorrows and pains but not so with them for the judges and their executioners oh terrible and most hidden judgments of the lord were transformed in their malice and deathly hatred into demons void of the feelings of sensible and earthly men and urged on only by diabolical wrath and fury presently one of the executioners seized the hand of jesus our savior and placed it upon the auger hole while another hammered a large and rough nail through the palm the veins and sinews were torn and the bones of the sacred hand which made the heavens and all that exists were forced apart when they stretched out the other hand they found that it did not reach up to the auger hole for the sinews of the other arm had been shortened and the executioners had maliciously set the holes too far apart as i have mentioned above In order to overcome the difficulty they took the chain with which the savior had been bound in the garden and looping one end through a ring around his wrist they with unheard of cruelty pulled the hand over the hole and fastened it with another nail thereupon they seized his feet and placing them one above the other they tied the same chain around both and stretched them with barbarous ferocity down to the third hole then they drove through both feet a large nail into the cross thus the sacred body in which dwelt the divinity was nailed motionless to the holy cross and the handiwork of his deified members formed by the holy ghost was so stretched and torn asunder that the bones of his body dislocated and forced from their natural position could all be counted the bones of his breast of his shoulders and arms and of his whole body yielded to the cruel violence and were torn from their sinews it is impossible for human tongue or words of mouth to describe the torments of our savior jesus and what he suffered on this occasion on the last day alone more will be known in order that his cause may be justified before sinners and the praise and exaltation of the saints may be so much the greater But at present, while our faith in this truth gives us occasion and obliges us to apply our reason, if such we possess, I ask, implore and beseech the children of the Holy Church, each one for himself, to study this venerable sacrament. Let us contemplate it and weigh it with all its circumstances and we shall find powerful motives to abhor and firmly resolve to avoid sin as the cause of all this suffering to the author of life let us contemplate and look upon his virgin mother so afflicted in spirit and overwhelmed by the torments of her purest body in order that through this gate of light we may enter to see the sun that illumines our heart o mistress and queen of virtues o mother of the immortal king of ages become man it is true o my lady that the hardness of our ungrateful hearts makes us very unfit and unworthy of suffering thy pains and those of thy most holy son our lord. But through thy clemency make us partakers of this favor which we do not deserve. Purify and free us from this deadening lukewarmness and gross neglect. If we are the cause of these sufferings, what propriety or what justice can there be in visiting them only on thee and on thy beloved? Let the chalice pass from the lips of the innocent, in order that it may be tasted by the guilty who deserve it. But alas, where is our good sense where wisdom and knowledge where is the light of our eyes who has so entirely deprived us of our understanding who has robbed us of our human and sensible hearts if i o lord had not received from thee this being according to thy image and likeness if thou hadst not given me life and motion if all the elements and creatures formed by thy hand for my service ecclesiasticus chapter thirty nine verse thirty were not giving me continual notice of thy immense love at least thy being nailed so outrageously to the cross and all thy torments and sorrows for my salvation should have sufficed to draw me to thee with the bonds of compassion and gratitude of love and confidence in thy ineffable kindness but if so many voices cannot awaken me if such love does not enkindle mine if thy passion and death do not move me if such great benefits cannot oblige me what end shall i expect as the result of my foolishness after the savior was nailed to the cross the executioners judged it necessary to bend the points of the nails which projected through the back of the wood in order that they might not be loosened and drawn out by the weight of the body for this purpose they raised up the cross in order to turn it over so that the body of the lord would rest face downward upon the ground with the weight of the cross upon him. This new cruelty appalled all the bystanders and a shout of pity arose in the crowd. But the sorrowful and compassionate mother intervened by her prayers and asked the Eternal Father not to permit this boundless outrage to happen in the way the executioners had intended. She commanded her holy angels to come to the assistance of their creator. When, therefore, the executioners raised up the cross to let it fall, with the crucified lord face downward upon the ground the holy angels supported him and the cross above the stony and fetid ground so that his divine countenance did not come in contact with the rocks and pebbles thus altogether ignorant of the miracle the executioners bent over the points of the nails for the sacred body was so near to the ground and the cross was so firmly held by the angels that the jews thought it rested upon the hard rock Then they dragged the lower end of the cross with the crucified God near to the hole wherein it was to be planted. Some of them getting under the upper part of the cross with their shoulders, others pushing upward with their halberds and lances, they raised the savior on his cross and fastened its foot in the hole they drilled into the ground. Thus our true life and salvation now hung in the air upon the sacred wood in full view of the innumerable multitudes of different nations and countries. I must not omit mentioning another barbarity inflicted upon the Lord as they raised him for some of them placed the sharp points of their lances and halberts to his body and fearfully lacerating him under the armpits in helping to push the cross into position at this spectacle new cries of protest arose with still more vehemence and confusion from the multitude of the people the jews blasphemed the kind-hearted lamented the strangers were astounded some of them called the attention of the bystanders to the proceedings others turned away their heads in horror and pity others took to themselves a warning from this spectacle of suffering and still others proclaimed him a just man all these different sentiments were like arrows piercing the heart of the afflicted mother the sacred body now shed much blood from the nail wounds which by its weight and the shock of the cross falling into the hole had widened they were the fountains now opened up to which isaias invites us to hasten with joy to quench our thirst and wash off the stains of our sins isaiah chapter twelve verse three no one shall be excused who does not quickly approach to drink them since the waters are sold without exchange of silver or gold, and they are given freely to those who will but receive them. Isaiah chapter 54 verse 1 Then they crucified also the two thieves, and planted their crosses to the right and to the left of the Savior, for thereby they wished to indicate that he deserved the most conspicuous place as being the greatest malfactor the pharisees and priests forgetting the two thieves turned all the venom of their fury against the sinless and holy one by nature wagging their heads in scorn and mockery matthew chapter twenty seven verse thirty nine they threw stones and dirt at the cross of the lord and his royal person saying ah thou who destroyest the temple and in three days rebuildest it save now thyself others he has made whole himself he cannot save if this be the son of god let him descend from the cross and we will believe in him matthew chapter twenty seven verse forty two the two thieves in the beginning also mocked the lord and said if thou art the son of god save thyself and us these blasphemies of the two thieves caused special sorrow to our lord since they were so near to death and were losing the fruits of their death pains by which they could have satisfied in part for their justly punished crimes soon after however one of them availed himself of the greatest opportunity that a sinner ever had in this world and was converted from his sins when the great queen of the angels most holy mary perceived that the jews in their perfidy and obstinate envy vied in dishonoring him in blaspheming him as the most wicked of men and in desiring to blot out his name from the land of the living as jeremias had prophesied Jeremiah chapter 11 verse 19 She was inflamed with a new zeal for the honour of her son and true god prostrate before the person of the crucified and adoring him she besought the eternal father to see the honour of his only begotten and manifest it by such evident signs that the perfidy of the jews might be confounded and their malice frustrated of its intent having presented this petition to the father she with the zeal and authority of the queen of the universe addressed all the irrational creatures and said insensible creatures created by the hand of the almighty do you manifest your compassion which in deadly foolishness is denied to him by men capable of reason ye heavens thou sun moon and ye stars and planets stop in your course and suspend your activity in regard to mortals ye elements change your condition earth lose thy stability let your rocks and cliffs be rent ye sepulchres and monuments of the dead open and send forth your contents for the confusion of the living thou mystical and figurative veil of the temple divide into two parts and by thy separation threaten the unbelievers with chastisement give witness to the truth and to the glory of their creator and redeemer which they are trying to obscure in virtue of this prayer and of the commands of mary the mother of the crucified the omnipotence of god had provided for all that was to happen at the death of his only begotten the lord enlightened and moved the hearts of many of the bystanders at the time of these happenings on earth and even before that time in order that they might confess jesus crucified as holy just and as the true son of god this happened for instance with the centurion and many others mentioned in the gospels who went away from calvary striking their breasts in sorrow among them were not only those who previously had heard and believed his doctrine but also a great number of such as had never seen him or witnessed his miracles for the same reason pilate was also inspired not to change the title of the cross which they had placed over the head of the savior in hebrew greek and latin For when the Jews protested and asked him not to write, Jesus of Nazareth, king of the Jews, but, this one says, he is king of the Jews, Pilate answered, What is written is written, and I do not wish it to be changed. All the inanimate creatures, by divine will, obey the command of the Most Holy Mary from the noon hour until three o'clock in the afternoon which was called the ninth hour when the lord expired they exhibited the great disturbances and changes mentioned in the gospels the sun hid its light the planets showed great alterations the earth quaked many mountains were rent the rocks shook one against the other the graves opened and sent forth some of the dead alive the changes in the elements and in the whole universe were so notable and extraordinary that they were evident on the whole earth all the jews of jerusalem were dismayed and astonished although their outrageous perfidy and malice made them unworthy of the truth and hindered them from accepting what all the insensible creatures preached to them The soldiers who had crucified Jesus our savior, according to a custom permitting the executioners to take possession of the property of those whom they executed, now proceeded to divide the garments of the innocent lamb. The cloak or outside mantle, which by divine disposition they had brought to Mount Calvary, and which was the one Christ had laid aside at the washing of the feet, they divided among themselves, cutting it into four parts john chapter nineteen verse twenty three but the seamless tunic by a mysterious decree of providence they did not divide but they drew lots and assigned it entirely to the one who drew the lot for it thus fulfilling the prophecy in the twenty first psalm the mysterious signification of the undivided tunic is variously explained by the saints and doctors one of these explanations being that though the jews lacerated and tore with wounds The sacred humanity of christ our lord yet they could not touch or injure the divinity which was enclosed in the sacred humanity and whoever should draw the lot of justification by partaking of his divinity should thenceforward possess and enjoy it entirely as the wood of the cross was the throne of his majesty and the chair of the doctrine of life and as he was now raised upon it confirming his doctrine by his example Christ now uttered those words of highest charity and perfection. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Luke chapter 23 verse 34 This principle of charity and fraternal love the divine teacher had appropriated to himself and proclaimed by his own lips. John chapter 15 verse 12 Matthew chapter 15 verse 44 He now confirmed and executed it upon the cross not only pardoning and loving his enemies but excusing those under the plea of ignorance whose malice had reached the highest point possible to men in persecuting blaspheming and crucifying their god and redeemer such was the difference between the behavior of ungrateful men favored with so great enlightenment instruction and blessing and the behavior of jesus in his most burning charity while suffering the crown of thorns the nails and the cross and unheard of blasphemy at the hands of men. O incomprehensible love, O ineffable sweetness, O patience inconceivable to men, admirable to the angels and fearful to the devils. One of the two thieves, called Dismas, became aware of some of the mysteries. Being assisted at the same time by the prayers and intercession of Most Holy Mary, he was interiorly enlightened concerning his rescuer and master by the first word on the cross. Moved by true sorrow and contrition for his sins, he turned to his companion and said, Neither dost thou fear God, seeing that thou art under the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds, but this man hath done no evil. And thereupon speaking to Jesus, he said, Lord, remember me when thou shalt come into thy kingdom. Luke chapter 23 verse 40 in this happiest of thieves in the centurion and in the others who confessed jesus christ on the cross began to appear the results of the redemption but the one most favored was this dismas who merited to hear the second word of the savior on the cross amen i say to thee this day shalt thou be with me in paradise o fortunate thief who of all others heard those words so much desired by all the saints and just of the earth such a word the ancient patriarchs and prophets did not hear they had judged themselves very happy to be allowed to descend into limbo and wait through the long ages for paradise which thou in changing so happily thy condition didst acquire in one moment thou hast now ceased to rob earthly possessions of thy neighbor and immediately snatchest heaven from the hands of thy master thou seizes it in justice and he yields it to thee in grace since thou wast the last disciple of his doctrine on earth, and the most alert of all, in practicing it after having heard it from his mouth. Thou hast lovingly corrected thy brother, confessed thy creator, reprehended those who blasphemed him, imitated him in patient suffering, asking him humbly as thy redeemer, not to forget thy miseries. And he, as thy Exalter has at once fulfilled thy desires without delaying the guerdon, merited for thee and all the mortals having thus justified the good thief jesus turned his loving gaze upon his afflicted mother who with saint john was standing at the foot of the cross speaking to both he first addressed his mother saying woman behold thy son and then to the apostle behold thy mother john chapter 19 verse 26 The Lord called her woman and not mother, because this name of mother had in it something of sweetness and consolation, the very pronouncing of which would have been a sensible relief. During his passion, he would admit of no exterior consolation, having renounced for that time all exterior alleviation and easement, as I have mentioned above. By this word, woman, he tacitly and by implication wished to say, woman blessed among all women the most prudent among all the daughters of adam woman strong and constant unconquered by any fault of thy own unfailing in my service and most faithful in thy love toward me which even the mighty waters of my passion could not extinguish or resist canticles chapter eight verse seven I am going to my father and cannot accompany thee further. My beloved disciple will attend upon thee and serve thee as his mother, and he will be thy son. All this the heavenly queen understood. The holy apostle on his part received her as his own from that hour on, for he was enlightened anew in order to understand and appreciate the greatest treasure of the divinity in the whole creation, next to the humanity of Christ our Savior. In this light he reverenced and served her for the rest of her life, as I will relate farther on. Our Lady also accepted him as her son in humble subjection and obedience, always practicing the highest possible perfection and holiness, without failing on any occasion, and not permitting even the immensity of her present suffering to weigh down her magnanimous and most prudent heart. She promised then and there that she would show him this obedience during her whole life already the ninth hour of the day was approaching although the darkness and confusion of nature made it appear to be rather a chaotic night our savior spoke the fourth word from the cross in a loud and strong voice so that all the bystanders could hear it my god my god why hast thou forsaken me matthew chapter twenty seven verse forty six although the lord had uttered these words in his own hebrew language they were not understood by all since they began with eli eli some of them thought he was calling upon elias and a number of them mocked him saying let us see whether elias shall come to free him from our hands but the mystery concealed beneath these words was just as profound as it was unintelligible to the jews and gentiles and they have been interpreted in many ways by the doctors of the church i shall give the interpretation which has been manifested to me the dereliction of which christ speaks was not one in which the divinity separated from the humanity dissolving the hypostatic union nor including a cessation of the beatific vision in his soul for both of these he enjoyed from the first moment of his conception by the holy ghost in the virginal womb and could never lose but certainly the sacred humanity was in so far forsaken by the divinity as it did not ward off death or the most bitter sorrows of his passion though on the other hand the eternal father did not forsake him entirely since he showed his concern by causing the changes in the visible creation in order to give witness for his honor at his death christ our savior intimated quite a different dereliction by these words of complaint one which originated from his immense love for men namely from his love of the foreknown as lost and the reprobate which during his last hour caused in him the same anguish as it did during his prayer in the garden. He grieved that his copious and superabundant redemption offered for the whole human race should not be efficacious in the reprobate and that he should find himself deprived of them in the eternal happiness for which he had created and redeemed them. As this was to happen in consequence of the decree of his father's eternal will, he lovingly and sorrowfully complained of it in the words my god my god why hast thou forsaken me that is in so far as god deprived him of the salvation of the reprobate in confirmation of this sorrow the lord added i thirst the sufferings of the lord in his anguish could easily cause a natural thirst but for him this was not a time to complain of this thirst or to quench it and therefore jesus would not have spoken of it so near to its expiration unless in order to give expression to a most exalted mystery he was thirsting to see the captive children of adam make use of the liberty which he merited for them and offered to them and which so many were abusing He was athirst with the anxious desire that all should correspond with him in the faith and love due to him that they profit by his merits and sufferings accept his friendship and grace now acquired for them and that they should not lose the eternal happiness which he was to leave as an inheritance to those that wished to merit and accept it this was the thirst of our savior and master and the most blessed mary alone understood it perfectly and began with ardent affection and charity to invite and interiorly call upon all the poor, the afflicted, the humble, the despised and downtrodden, to approach their savior and thus quench, at least in part, his thirst which they could not quench entirely. But the perfidious Jews and the executioners, evidencing their unhappy hard-heartedness, fastened a sponge soaked in gall and vinegar to a reed, and mockingly raised it to his mouth, in order that he might drink of it. Thus was fulfilled the prophecy of David in my thirst they gave me vinegar to drink. John chapter 16 verse 28. Psalm 68 verse 22. Our most patient Savior tasted of it, partaking of this drink in mysterious submission to the condemnation of the reprobate. But at the instance of his blessed mother, he immediately desisted, because the mother of grace was to be the portal and mediatrix of those who were to profit of the passion and the redemption of mankind. In connection with this same mystery the savior then pronounced the sixth word "Consumatum est it is consummated john chapter nineteen verse twenty nine now is consummated this work of my coming from heaven and i have obeyed the command of my eternal father who sent me to suffer and die for the salvation of mankind now are fulfilled the holy scriptures the prophecies and figures of the old testament and the course of my earthly and mortal life assumed in the womb of my mother now are established on earth my example my doctrines my sacraments and my remedies for the sickness of sin now is appeased the justice of my eternal father in regard to the debt of the children of adam now is my holy church enriched with the remedies for the sins committed by men the whole work of my coming into the world is perfected in so far as concerns me its restorer The secure foundation of the triumphant church is now laid in the church militant, so that nothing can overthrow or change it. These are the mysteries contained in the few words consummatum est. Having finished and established the work of redemption in all its perfection, it was becoming that the incarnate word, just as he came forth from the father, to enter mortal life. John chapter 16 verse 8 Should enter into immortal life of the father through death, therefore christ our savior added the last words uttered by him father into thy hands i commend my spirit the lord spoke these words in a loud and strong voice so that the bystanders heard them in pronouncing them he raised his eyes to heaven as one speaking with the eternal father and with the last accent he gave up his spirit and inclined his head by the divine force of these words lucifer with all his demons were hurled into the deepest caverns of hell where they lay motionless, as I shall relate in the next chapter. The invincible queen and mistress of all virtues understood these mysteries, beyond the understanding of all creatures, as she was the mother of the savior and the coadjutrix of his passion. In order that she might participate in it, to the end, just as she had felt in her own body the other torments of her son, she now, though remaining alive, felt and suffered the pangs and agony of his death. She did not die in reality, but this was because God miraculously preserved her life, when according to the natural course death should have followed. This miraculous aid was more wonderful than all the other favors she received during the passion, for this last pain was more intense and penetrating, and all that the martyrs and the men sentenced to death have suffered from the beginning of the world cannot equal what the blessed mother suffered during the passion. The great lady remained at the foot of the cross until evening when the sacred body, as I shall relate, was interred. But in return for this last anguish of death, all that was still of this mortal life in the virginal body of the purest mother was more than ever exalted and spiritualized. Many of the sacraments and mysteries connected with the doings of Christ our Savior on the cross, the evangelists make no mention, and we as Catholics can only form prudent conjectures founded upon the infallible certainty of our faith but among those which have been manifested to me in this history and concerning this part of the passion is a prayer which christ addressed to his eternal father before speaking the seven words on the cross recorded by the evangelists I call it a prayer because it was addressed to the father but in reality it was a last bequest or testament which he made as a true and most wise father in order to consign his possessions to his family that is to the whole human race. Even natural reason teaches us that he who is the head of a family or the lord over many or few possessions would not be a prudent dispenser of his goods and inattentive to his office or dignity if at the hour of his death He would not make known his will in regard to the disposition of his goods and his estate in order that each one of his family may know what belongs to him and may possess it justly and peacefully without recourse to lawsuits for this very reason and in order that they may set their minds at ease in preparation for the hour of death men of the world make their last testaments and even the religious resign the things permitted them for daily use because in that hour earthly matters are apt to fill the mind with anxieties and prevent them from rising toward their creator. Although earthly things could not disturb our savior, since he neither possessed them, nor, if he had possessed any, could he be embarrassed by them in his infinite power. Yet it was fitting that he should in that hour dispose of the spiritual riches and treasures which he had amassed for mankind in the course of his pilgrimage of these eternal goods the savior made his last disposition on the cross distributing them and pointing out those who should be legitimate heirs and those who should be disinherited and mentioning the reasons for the one as well as the other all this he did in conference with his eternal father as the supreme lord and most just judge of all creatures for in this testament are rehearsed the mysteries of the predestination of the saints and of the reprobation of the wicked it was a testament hidden and sealed for mankind. Only the blessed Mary understood it. Because in addition to her being informed of the operations of the divine soul of Christ, she was also to be the universal heiress of all creation. As she was the co of salvation, she was also to be the testamentary executrix. For the son placed all things in her hands, just as the father had assigned the whole creation to him she was to execute his will, and she was to distribute all the treasures, acquired and due to her son as God, on account of his infinite merits. This understanding has been given me, as part of this history, for the exaltation of our queen, and in order that sinners might approach her as the custodian of all the treasures gained by her son and our redeemer, in the sight of his eternal father. All help and assistance is in the hands of Most Holy Mary, and she is to distribute it according to her most sweet kindness and liberality. Testament made by Christ our Lord on the Cross, in his prayer to the Eternal Father When the wood of the cross had been raised on Mount Calvary, bearing aloft with it, the incarnate word crucified, before speaking any of the seven words, Christ prayed interiorly to his heavenly Father and said, my father and eternal god i confess and magnify thee from this tree of the cross and i offer thee a sacrifice of praise in my passion and death for by the hypostatic union with the divine nature thou hast raised my humanity to the highest dignity that of christ the god man anointed with thy own divinity I confess thee on account of the plenitude of the highest possible graces and glory, which from the first instant of my incarnation thou hast communicated to my humanity, and because from all eternity up to this present hour thou hast consigned to me full dominion of the universe, both in the order of grace and of nature. Thou hast made me the Lord of the heavens and of the elements. Matthew chapter 28 verse 18 of the sun the moon and the stars of fire and air of the earth and the sea of all the animate and inanimate creatures therein thou hast made me the disposer of the seasons of the days and nights with full lordship and possession according to my free will and thou hast set me as the head the king and lord of all angels and men Letter to the ephesians chapter 1 verse 21 to govern and command them, to punish the wicked and to reward the good. John chapter 5 verse 22 Thou hast given me the dominion and power of disposing all things, from highest heavens to deepest abysses of hell. Apocalypse chapter 20 verse 1 Thou hast placed in my hands the eternal justification of men, the empires, kingdoms and principalities, the great and the little, the rich and the poor and of all that are capable of thy grace and glory. Thou hast made me the justifier, the redeemer and glorifier, the universal Lord of all the human race, of life and death, of the holy church, its treasures, laws, and blessings of grace. All hast thou, my Father, consigned to my hands, subject to my will and my decrees, and for this I confess, exalt, and magnify thy holy name. Now, at this moment, my Lord and eternal Father, when i am returning from this world to thy right hand through this death on the cross by which i complete the task of the redemption of men assigned to me i desire that this same cross shall be the tribunal of our justice and mercy nailed to it i desire to judge those for whom i give my life having justified my cause i wish to dispense the treasures of my coming into the world and of my passion and death to the just and the reprobate, according as each one merits by his works of love or hatred. I have sought to gain all mortals and invite them to partake of my friendship and grace. From the first moment of my incarnation I have ceaselessly labored for them. I have borne inconveniences, fatigues, insults, ignominies, reproaches, scourges, a crown of thorns, and now suffer the bitter death of the cross i have implored thy vast kindness upon all of them i have watched in prayer fasted and wandered about teaching them the way of eternal life as far as in me lay i have sought to secure eternal happiness for all men just as i merited it for all without excluding any one i have established and built up the law of grace and have firmly and forever established the church in which all human beings can be saved But in our knowledge and foresight, we are aware, my God and Father, that on account of their malice and rebellious obstinacy, not all men desire to accept our eternal salvation, nor avail themselves of our mercy, and of the way I have opened to them, by my labors, life and death, but that many will prefer to follow their sinful ways unto perdition. Thou art just, my Lord and Father, and most equitable are thy judgments. Psalm 68, verse 137 And therefore it is right, since thou hast made me the judge of the living and the dead, of the good and the bad. Acts of the Apostles, chapter 10, verse 3 That I give to the good the reward of having served and followed me, and to sinners the chastisement of their perverse obstinacy, that the just should share in my goods, and the wicked be deprived of the inheritance which they refuse to accept. Now then, my eternal father, in my and thy name and for thy glorification I make my last bequest according to my human will which is conformable to thy eternal and divine will. First shall be mentioned my most pure mother who gave me human existence. Her I constitute my soul and universal heiress of all the gifts of nature and of grace and of glory that are mine. She shall be mistress and possessor of them all the gifts of grace of which as a mere creature she is capable she shall actually receive now while those of glory i promise to confer upon her in their time i desire that she shall be mistress of angels and men claim over them full possession and dominion and command the service and obedience of all the demons shall fear her and be subject to her all the irrational creatures the heavens the stars the planets the elements with all the living beings The birds the fishes and the animals contained in them shall likewise be subject to her and acknowledge her as mistress exalting and glorifying her with me i wish also that she be the treasurer and dispenser of all the goods in heaven and on earth whatever she ordains and disposes in my church for my children the sons of men shall be confirmed by the three divine persons and whatever she shall ask for mortals now afterwards and forever we shall concede according to her will and wishes to the holy angels who have obeyed thy holy and just will i assigned as habitation the highest heavens as their proper and eternal abode and with it the joys of eternal vision and fruition of our divinity i desire that they enjoy its everlasting possession together with our company and friendship I decree that they recognize my mother as their legitimate queen and lady, that they serve her, accompany and attend upon her, bear her up in their hands in all places and times, obeying her in all that she wishes to ordain and command. The demons, rebellious to our perfect and holy will, I cast out and deprive of our vision and company. Again do I condemn them to our abhorrence, to eternal loss of our friendship and glory. To pervasion of the vision of my mother, of the saints and of my friends, the just, I appoint and assign to them as their eternal dwelling the place most remote from our royal throne, namely the infernal caverns, the center of the earth, deprived of light and full of horrors of sensible darkness. Letter of St. Jude, Verse 6 I decree this to be their portion and inheritance as chosen by them in their pride and obstinacy against the divine being and decrees. In those eternal dungeons of darkness they shall be tormented by everlasting and inextinguishable fire. For the multitudes of men, in the fullness of my good will, I call, select and separate all the just and the predestined, who through my grace save themselves by imitating me, doing my will, and obeying my holy law these next to my most pure mother i appoint as the inheritors of all my mysteries my blessings my sacramental treasures of the mysteries concealed in the holy scriptures of my humility meekness of heart of the virtues of faith hope and charity of prudence justice fortitude and temperance of my divine gifts and favors of my cross labors contempt poverty and nakedness this shall be their portion and inheritance in this present and mortal life. Since they must choose these in order to labor profitably, I assign to them the trials I have chosen for myself in this life, as a pledge of my friendship, in order that they may undergo them with joy. I offer them my protection and defense, my holy inspirations, my favors and powerful assistance, my blessings and my justification, according to each one's disposition and degree of love. I promise to be to them a father a brother and a friend and they shall be my chosen and beloved children and as such I appoint them as the inheritors of all my merits and treasures without limitation. I desire that all who dispose themselves shall partake of the goods of my holy church and of the sacraments that if they should lose my friendship they shall be able to restore themselves and recover my graces and blessings through my cleansing blood for all of them shall be open the intercession of my mother and of the saints and she shall recognize them as her children shielding them and holding them as her own my angels shall defend them guide them protect them and bear them up in their hands lest they stumble and if they fall they shall help them rise psalm ninety verses eleven and twelve Likewise it is my will, that my just and chosen ones shall stand high above the reprobate and the demons, that they shall be feared and obeyed by my enemies, that all the rational and irrational creatures shall serve them, that all the influences of the heavens, the planets and the stars, shall favor them and give them life, that the earth, its elements and animals, shall sustain them, all the creatures that are mine and serve me shall be theirs, AND SHALL SERVE ALSO THEM AS MY CHILDREN AND FRIENDS. FIRST LETTER TO THE CORINTHIANS CHAPTER THREE VERSE 22 WISDOM CHAPTER 16 VERSE 24 AND THEIR BLESSING SHALL BE THE DEW OF HEAVEN AND IN THE FRUITS OF THE EARTH. GENESIS CHAPTER 27 VERSE 28 I WISH TO HOLD WITH THEM MY DELIGHTS. PROVERBS CHAPTER 8 VERSE 31 COMMUNICATE TO THEM MY SECRETS converse with them intimately and live with them in the militant church in the species of bread and wine as an earnest and infallible pledge of the eternal happiness and glory promised to them i make them partakers and heirs in order that they may enjoy it with me in heaven by perpetual right and in unfailing beatitude i consent that the foreknown and reprobate though they were created for another and much higher end shall be permitted to possess as their portion and inheritance the concupiscence of the flesh and the eyes john chapter one verses two through sixteen pride in all its effects that they eat and be satisfied with the dust of the earth namely with riches with the fumes and the corruption of the flesh and its delights and with the vanity and presumption of the world for such possessions have they labored and applied all the diligence of their mind and body in such occupations have they consumed their powers their gifts and blessings bestowed upon them by us and they have of their own free will chosen deceit despising the truth i have taught them in the holy law letter to the romans chapter two verse eight they have rejected the law which i have written in their hearts and the one inspired by my grace they have despised my teachings and my blessings and listened to my and their own enemies They have accepted their deceits and have loved vanity. Psalm 4 verse 3 Wrought injustice, followed their ambitions, sought their delight in vengeance, persecuted the poor, humiliated the just, mocked the simple and the innocent, strove to exalt themselves and desired to be raised above all the cedars of Lebanon in following the laws of injustice. Psalm 36 verse 35 since they have done all this in opposition to our divine goodness and remain obstinate in their malice, and since they have renounced the rights of sonship merited for them by me, I disinherit them of my friendship and glory. Just as Abraham separated the children of the slave, setting aside some possessions for them and reserving the principal heritage for Isaac, the son of the freedwoman Sarah. Genesis chapter twenty five verse five. Thus I set aside their claims on my inheritance by giving them the transitory goods which they themselves have chosen. Separating them from our company and from that of my mother, of the angels and saints, I condemn them to the eternal dungeons and the fire of hell, in company of Lucifer and his demons, whom they have freely served. I deprive them forever of all hope of relief this is o my father the sentence which i pronounce as the head and the judge of men and angels letter to the ephesians chapter four verse fifteen letter to the colossians chapter two verse ten and this is the testament made at my death this is the effect of my redemption whereby each one is rewarded with that which he has justly merited according to his works and according to thy incomprehensible wisdom in the equity of thy strictest justice second letter to saint timothy chapter four verse eight such was the prayer of christ our savior on the cross to his eternal father it was sealed and deposited in the heart of the most holy mary as the mysterious and sacramental testament in order that through her intercession and solicitous care it might at its time and even from that moment be executed in the church just as it had before this time been prepared and perfected by the wise providence of God, in whom all the past and the future is always one with the present. Instruction Which the Queen of Heaven, Mary, Gave Me My daughter, seek with all the powers of thy mind, during thy whole life, to remember the mysteries manifested to thee in this chapter. I, as thy mother and thy instructress, shall ask the lord by his divine power to impress in thy heart the knowledge which i have vouchsafed thee in order that it may remain fixed and ever present to thee as long as thou livest in virtue of this blessing keep in thy memory christ crucified who is my divine son and thy spouse and never forget the sufferings of the cross and the doctrine taught by him upon it this is the mirror by which thou must arrange all thy adornments and the source from which thou art to draw thy interior beauty like a true daughter of the prince psalm 44 verse 14 in order that thou mayest be prepared proceed and reign as the spouse of the supreme king as this honorable title obliges thee to seek with all thy power to imitate him as far as is becoming thy station and possible to thee by his grace and as this is to be the true fruit of my doctrine i wish that from today on thou live crucified with christ entirely assimilated to thy exemplar and model and dead to this earthly life second letter to the corinthians chapter five verse fifteen i desire that in thee shall vanish the effects of the first sin that thou live only for the operations and movements of divine virtue And that thou renounce thy inheritance as a daughter of the first adam in order that in thee may bear fruit the inheritance of the second adam who is jesus christ thy redeemer and teacher thy state of life must be for thee a most rigid cross on which thou must remain crucified and thou must not widen thy path by seeking for dispensation or weakening interpretation of thy rules to make it easy and comfortable but at the same time insecure and full of imperfections this is the deception into which the children of babylon and of adam fall that each one according to his state seeks to find ease in the work commanded by the law of god they set aside the salvation of their soul in their efforts to buy heaven very cheaply or risk losing it by dreading the restrictions and entire subjection necessary to observe rigorously the divine law and its precepts hence arises the desire to find explanations and opinions which smooth the paths and highways of eternal life without heeding the doctrine of my divine son that the path of life is very narrow matthew chapter seven verse fourteen they forget that the lord himself has walked these narrow paths in order that no one might imagine he can reach eternal life over paths more spacious and comfortable to the flesh and to the inclinations vitiated by sins this danger is greater for ecclesiastics and religious who by their very state must follow the master and must accommodate themselves to his life of poverty and must choose for this purpose the way of the cross some of them however are apt to seek the dignities attached to the religious state for their temporal advantage for the increase of their own honor and praise in order to secure it they lighten the cross they have promised to bear so that they live a carnal life little restricted and much eased by deceptive dispensations and vain excuses in their time they shall recognize the truth and that saying of the holy ghost each one thinks his path secure but the lord weighs in his hands the hearts of men proverbs chapter twenty one verse two so far from this deceit do i wish thee to be my daughter that thou must live strictly up to the rigorous demands of thy profession in such a way that thou canst not stretch thyself in any way being nailed immovably to the cross with christ thou must set aside all temporal advantages for the least point pertaining to the utmost perfection of thy state thy right hand my daughter must be nailed to the cross by obedience and reserve not for thyself the least movement the least activity or word or thought not controlled by this virtue Thou must not maintain any position that is of thy own choice, but only such as is willed by others. Thou must not appear wise in thy own conceit in anything, but ignorant and blind, in order to follow entirely the guidance of thy superiors. Proverbs chapter 3 verse 7 He that promises, says the wise man Proverbs chapter 6 verse 1 binds his hands and by his words shall he be bound and chained thou hast bound thy hand by the vow of obedience and hast thereby lost thy liberty and thy right of wishing or not wishing thy left hand thou hast nailed to the cross by the vow of poverty depriving thee of all right to follow any inclination toward the objects usually coveted by the eyes for both in the use and in the desire for such creatures thou must rigorously imitate christ impoverished and despoiled upon the cross by the third vow that of chastity thy feet are nailed to the cross in order that all thy steps and movements may be pure chaste and beautiful for this thou must not permit in thy presence the least word offensive to purity nor by looking upon or touching any human creature allow any sensual image or impression within thee thy eyes and all thy senses are to remain consecrated to chastity without making more use of them than to fix them upon jesus crucified the fourth vow of perpetual enclosure thou wilt maintain in the bosom of my divine son to which i consign thee in order that this doctrine may appear to thee sweet and this path less narrow contemplate and consider in thy heart the image of my son and lord full of blood torments sorrows and at last nailed to the cross no part of his sacred body being exempt from wounds and excruciating pains the lord and i were most solicitous and compassionate toward all the children of men for them we suffered and endured such bitter sorrows in order that they might be encouraged not to refuse less severe sufferings for their own eternal good and in return for so obliging a love therefore let mortals show themselves thankful willingly entering upon the rough and thorny path and accepting the cross to bear it after christ thus will they walk upon the direct path toward heaven and gain an eternal happiness matthew chapter sixteen verse twenty four end of chapter twenty two